0: Hey, everyone, we just launched a new show called Request for Startups. In the first season, we've got a rotating lineup of tech founders and investors joining me to share their requests for startups they want to exist in the world and also share their stories of navigating the idea maze in different sectors so founders don't have to reinvent the wheel anymore. The first episode is out now. We cover better dating apps, references as a service, and we work for productivity. Listen first, then build. Video episodes of the show are on our substack. You'll find a link in the description.
1: I became really obsessed with this this idea of, like, if you have distribution, uh, what can you, like, you get to ask, like, this really interesting question of, like, what can you build that's really authentic to your audience? And that's like the complete opposite problem of everything that you and I know from the startup world, which is like always looking for the problem to be solving and try. how do you get those early customers?
0: Welcome to Media Empires, where we sit down with the most influential media creators right now to learn exactly how they built their empires. Our aim is to extract the secrets of top tier podcasters, newsletter authors, and media creators who are breaking the old rules for media success. Whether you're looking to start your own empire or simply curious about the nuts and bolts behind media businesses, you'll find valuable insights and tactics in each episode. Grab your headphones, and let's dive in. Riverside is a presenting sponsor of Media Empires. It's an essential part of our tech stack. Riverside makes scaling a media business possible for us and so many podcasters and creators. It's our online recording studio, not just for the show, but across the entire podcast network. Riverside lets us record interviews with the best guests from wherever they are in the world. Our team can also cut short form clips directly from Riverside because as any listener of the show knows you create once and then publish everywhere. Sign up for riverside.fm today by following the link in the description box and use our code mediaempires to get a 20% discount. I'm thrilled to talk with Blake Robbins. Blake Robbins is a venture capitalist at Benchmark, and he's also the host of Gamecraft podcast, a very successful show about the modern history of video game business. Blake is incredibly insightful about how his content and investing career inform one another. But he's also keenly attuned to the potent future and dynamics of creator business models. Blake is candid and generous with his advice, It would turned out to be a masterclass for creators and business-minded operators alike. And now, my interview with Blake Rollins. Blake, welcome to Media Empires. Thanks for joining the podcast. Thank you. Blake, by way of introduction, you know, I've shared a bit of your background, how you got started in VC working at Ludlow, how you invested in a number of companies and helped even incubate uh, 100 Thieves um how you joined benchmark recently why don't you give uh, by way of introduction kind of the different phases of sort of your your majors and minors uh in terms of investment themes or or rabbit holes you've gone down G- give an introduction on the topics that, that you've been interested in where you're interested now
1: yeah it's a it's a you know long winding road to be <laughs> honest but i swear there's a connection or a little bit of a through line and mainly you know i, I entered venture right out of college and which is you know rare in its own right. But I, I ended up at, at Ludlow and you know, we were all based in Detroit, you know, doing investing mainly on the coast. And I realized pretty quickly that, you know, in order to break through the noise or or build a brand of any sort where people would think of me, I, I had to be more public online. And so that was my first step, which was just tweeting my thoughts out on on, on Twitter and Mainly just tweeting into the abyss, like <laughs> into the void, yeah, and just sort of just like throwing myself into conversations that I had no right to be a part of, but I just sort of acted like I belonged, and eventually people paid attention. But pretty wild because there there's no reason why people should have been paying attention to what I was saying, you know. Like at the time, I was just randomly putting my thoughts out there, and eventually people realized. And and one of the first areas where like I I realized that I had a unique perspective was around gaming and and specifically esports and that i i used to play and i still play way too many games but uh i used to play call of duty like not semi-professionally but i played pretty high level of, of uh call of duty when i was in high school and there's sort of all these weird pass of, of my life, which is uh, gaming was one part of my life and then business and venture capital and that whole world is a whole other aspect. And gaming for me was this hobby that I thought I was going to pursue as my like dream job. I, I thought I was going to go pro in Call of Duty. And I remember telling my parents I was going to go pro uh, and they're like, no shot that's not a thing uh and 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 you know to their credit it probably wasn't a thing and it wasn't realistic for me but i i sort of just was obsessed with that world i gave up on that dream pretty quickly once i got to like my junior year of high school uh and then i very quickly realized once i got into venture capital people were talking about it uh they were talking about esports as a thing uh competitive gaming streamers all that stuff and i was like this is bizarre. Like I, 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 I still am very obsessed with this world. There's all these VCs talking about it. Like they understand this world, but like I live and breathe this world still as a fan. Uh, and so I started to write about that and and talk a lot more about that. And through that, uh, eventually ended up incubating, you know, an esports team and sort of media company, uh, called hundred thieves. Um, which was actually a former call of duty pro uh that i was a fan of uh growing up and i and and so i reached up to him uh and and sort of convinced him that like he should be building a business around himself uh and then What that eventually opened up is the Pandora's box of, like, creators and and that whole world. And specifically around that time, this is probably five-ish years ago, maybe six years ago at that time, I became really obsessed with this this idea of, like, if you have distribution, uh, what can you, like, you get to ask, like, this really interesting question of, like, what can you build that's really authentic to your audience and that's like the complete opposite problem of everything that you and i know from the startup world which is like always looking for the problem to be solving and try how do you get those early customers but like in this case these these creators have already built out their niche or their audience and as long as they're being authentic they can in theory sell or build something that is really authentic to their audience and 100 teas was a good example of okay people really were rooting for Nate Shop to CEO to do this because it was a perfect extension of his career and his brand and what he was doing. He was really unique on his own that he was trying to build something bigger than himself. It was sort of the first time that my eyes were open of what can you do when you build something bigger than yourself and leverage the audience and distribution that you've built. And so spend a lot of time in creators and then still spend a lot of time in gaming. But the real truth is like the number of investments I've made at at Ludlow are just as wide range of consumer and enterprise. But those are the areas that I, I think I have the most unique perspective or voice on and so that's where i've really leaned into publicly at
0: least yeah and and i'm curious in your capacity at benchmark you know in 2023 where you're looking because i doubt you guys are going to do a, another esports team though that could be wrong and i, I doubt that you're going to invest you know in creators directly though i want to get to that in a, in a bit and the creator kind of economy startups like had some hype around them and maybe that hype has decreased a little bit and even esports was a bit hypier a few years ago. Feel free to react to to those give uh, that characterization. And I'm curious where, where you're looking uh, now. Yeah,
1: I mean, I I think I think that's right. I think what I've learned and grown a lot as an investor over the past I don't know seven years, in that you know I've I, I've gone really deep on these like these what I would consider really niche areas and. I've watched sort of firsthand the hype cycles that emerge. It's people become sheep pretty quickly of like this is the next big thing. This is way bigger than it's going to like than what it realistically is. I think I've approached like esports and creators with a fairly realistic view of the markets like in the creator space. I probably only have one or two investments in esports. And those are very specific theses that, that have lined up and I think at, at benchmark the view is what what's really changed for me and I've been here now close to a year uh is really just thinking about like how big can these get? And you know, a lot of it's market timing as well, just thinking about like what's uniquely enabling this and and why is this going to be so massive? And so trying to think just on a larger scale. And for me, I spend a lot of my time in consumer pretty broadly. I think early stage investing is hard enough as it is. And you talk to anyone in 2023 and say you're doing consumer investing and they sort of are like, what are you doing? Like the like yeah. consumer investing is, is like, uh, like dead or it's impossible. And, uh, and I started of just view it as like, no, it's really exciting. And there's, there's all these new areas that are emerging, but it's much more of, I, I, I don't pigeonhole myself into like one specific thesis at any given time and try to yeah. keep a super open mind.
0: Totally. I want to go deep on, on creators in, in, in this episode, there was the famous Amjad tweeted that I saw you quote tweeted as well. The, the, for the first time in history, it's become easier to turn attention into capital. Than, than capital into attention. And I, I want us to unpack it and I'll start by sort of, you know, doing the straw man version of it, which is, hey, you know, Mr. Beast built a $100 million or whatever it is, you know, burger business in the last year, you know, take every creator that has some niche interest or audience or expertise and boom, they'll just build the, the definitive product in that space because people want to buy from brands and individuals instead of, you know, kind of faceless corporations. Put some meat on on, the, on those bones of the Amjad quote. What, what, what can we see, expect to see?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it, it all comes back to just relatability. And there's probably an important distinction that needs to be made, which is like there's different types of creators and that like a Mr. Beast is in his own world and that he's playing almost like a reach game of how do I reach you know hundreds of millions of people? and the reality is like most creators can't do that and there's this really tough challenge that you have as a creator which is at some point you sort of have to come to terms that you might not be the next Mr. Beast unless that is the game that you you've set out to play but most of them are like nope i should be thinking about my like smaller audience size and really just focus on cultivating that and building a real relationship with my fans and so i think that's sort of the first part but the other part is like when you are a smaller creator, like you know, not a Mr. Beast, and when I say small, like that could still be someone with five to 10 million followers, you know, relative to a Mr. Beast who has, you know, over a hundred billion. You need to really figure out what it is, that like why people are watching you. If I ask you what product should you be selling or making or doing, if you can't answer that, you probably don't really have a moat as a creator and that's really bad sign because it just means you're just doing like whatever is hype at the time and following that through line which is just not sustainable and so instead you should think about okay you make amazing real estate videos what can you build around that i can build a real estate company maybe i can build a smaller zillow right now we're in the phase of mass accumulation of distribution and audience but we haven't fully transitioned to like okay now i should be building products and building services for them i sort of view it as it's all just like a funnel where like everyone is going initially they start on TikTok or instagram or maybe youtube but probably not youtube but all roads like eventually lead to youtube because that's just the best monetization after that it's like launch a course or launch merch those are again the low-hanging fruit, but like where this gets really interesting is when they start to build real software products that can scale. And what I have fun thinking about is what are like the highest customer acquisition cost areas of the internet, and can you build a niche that's like you're a TikToker that is an expert in personal injury lawyers? And so instead of thinking of whatever the random billboard in in your town, it's like no, this person's like the expert, and they told me if I ever get into a car accident, I like should be thinking about these four steps. And it's like. If you can do that, then you, you know those ads cost so much money on Google or Facebook, and you just completely arbitrage that. And assuming they are actual experts, then it's a no-brainer to be
0: connecting with their audience. So, it, it, do you think the way it's going to play out is there will be leaders across every niche, and then those leaders will either partner with like tech CEOs, and they'll be like a founding influencer in the way that there was like a founding engineer, or they might partner with like Agencies that spring up that are like COO in a box or something. H- how do you see this playing out? Like imagine, you know, fast forward to all the, the audiences are built.
1: It all comes back to like ambition. It's not the same as as like a software engineer per se, because like a software engineer, sure, they could hack on, on side projects and make a good living. But like here, like these creators already have like a really great living, and, you know, assuming they've built an audience again like if you built it on tiktok maybe your monetization isn't as amazing if you went you know on youtube but like let's assume they're they're making a million plus a year on youtube it is a really tough pitch to be like hey you should probably just go and like build a business around yourself and they're like i already have a business around myself like i'm already making a million dollars a year like why, why do i need to do anything more and i think it does take a really special person to like sort of reflect and be like, oh, like I can actually do something much bigger here. And so I think what, what needs to happen is you need like the 100 Thieves stories to be successful in order for creators to open their eyes and be like, oh, wait, I should want to build something bigger than myself or there is something more interesting than just building... You know something for my myself uh and like nate shot had this line early on when he was pitching 100ts which was you know he could sell just t-shirts that say nate shot on it and he was like but that's not like fulfilling or interesting and it's way more interesting to build a brand we're finally going to enter that stage and and i guess maybe to answer your question more directly like how this plays out i think you're going to have a few in, in certain categories just like really dominate in terms of like their ambition a good example is there's a company I don't know if you've come across it called carsandbids.com Have you no. come across this one at all it's a it's an auto youtuber his name is Doug DeMuro and he does basically just car reviews and that's all his content is and he launched basically a, a bring a trailer competitor if you're familiar with that business bring a trailer is like this online auction house Think like eBay motors type of thing for used cars. You just show up at that person's house and like you bring your own trailer or you drive that car off the lot. It's basically just peer-to-peer auction house. And this creator just realized there was an opportunity of like he has distribution. He He should be able to like launch it on his own. And if you just do the math, they showed the past auctions, it's like he's probably doing 60, 70k GMV a day. You know? It's pretty wild. And I think that's where we're heading is like the ones who think about what software products they can build like i i've always joked with you know mr beast and his team like they, they should consider building a bank because that's like the you know sort of holy like holy grail area of you know a high cac industry and his audience is around like money and giving away money or like can you build a cash app competitor you know there, there's certain these things uh, where if you have the distribution where do you take that and that's where i think we're going to just see some real giants emerge there is also potentially the play of what you're talking about where maybe it's them all bending together you know like maybe all the auto influencers come together and they just like sign to you know cars and bids with doug demuro and and it's like they're part of that team i think we're we're in the first step of it all but the the real answer is like creators sort of care about like two things and it's like making more money and being more famous. And so like, if, if you can help with either of those, it becomes like a very compelling pitch to them.
0: Them banding together is like the title for X, like the Jay-Z. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. fascinating. So it's interesting. Let's say we're talking about, you know, super ambitious creators here. Um, there's more ways to monetize than meets the eye. Right, Mr. Beast not only has his, uh, you know, festivals, but also a venture fund and, and an incubator and, and other business lines that leverage his his audience. You can imagine going back to our, you know, real estate person. They not only build the the local Zillow, but maybe you know a, a Fifth Wall real estate venture firm. You know, makes them a venture partner, um, in ex- you know, in exchange for kind of sharing their audience. And so I- I'm curious, like, how how. Say more about the monetization angle. Um, when people build a niche, like, like building products for their audience, is is one. But what other kind of monetization angles should they think about? There's always the question with Mr. Beast and others of like how wide do you do you go? But what I understand about his models, he's really just able to like get leverage on his audience and bring in outside people who r- recognize the power of, of of his distribution and willing to give um, ownership or upside in exchange for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's is as like a creator. It really just depends, like, you know, I think investing is one angle for sure. Initially, I used to be like, oh, yeah, like you can leverage this to get this, like into any seed round you want. Or or uh, maybe you can get advisor shares, whatever it might be. And I think my, my view has sort of changed in the like where they're best, like where a creator is best suited to invest is probably like growth stage. Uh, and like once you have product market fit, like that's probably the more interesting arbitrage is like, Hey, do you want me to be the face of your your organization, right? Like, do you want me to uh, sign a deal with you, and uh, we'll do let me invest X amount. You know, you can imagine you do some deal with a growth stage fund that really does like want to put seventy million dollars to work into a company. They can't get that access unless you have a Mr. Beast, for example. And so, like, can you do a crazy SPV where you know basically it's it's Mr. Beast leading it, and as part of that, it's there's some in like deal that he has to do a certain number of promotions or whatever that might be but like when it's de-risked because like uh a lot of creators uh, they they struggle with this uh whole stance of like if i'm putting my name on this at a seed stage or even an a or pre-seed they're all just sort of like i should be getting 50 percent of this company uh like they don't understand uh the the value of equity in the way that you and i do where it's like 1% is is a lot of a company but to someone who who's like understandably has a huge audience and they're like if i'm going to co-sign this it make me a co-founder and so like i think that will always be a struggle and i suspect this has always been a struggle even with like traditional hollywood of like you want? I don't know. Like uh, Tom Cruise to invest? Like he's probably like, "What? Like I'll, I'll put my name, you know, on on the thing for a small check." But like, if you actually want to use me in any way as like a promotional material, like I need to own a huge chunk of this business. And so I, my guess is that like that's the more interesting angle is like the growth stage when you've already found product market fit when the marketing. Actually, can make sense. Uh, uh, like, you don't want to necessarily channel uh, Mr. Beast into your startup and announcing he's tied to your startup when you don't even have any real clear signs of product market fit. And so that's one piece of it. But uh, you know, investing is 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 sort of like the natural evolution that we've seen. You know, the Packies of the world do, or the Lennies do, it makes a ton of sense. But I think it's always going to come back to like job boards. It's going to come back to like uh, they have in in a mister beast case like you know i again i think of you know the cash apps or like in in and maybe this there's there's probably a bigger learning within this of like if a look at the the companies that are sponsoring you uh and understand why they're sponsoring you, <laughs> and realize that like even if they're paying you a million dollars, uh, that probably means they, they think they're going to get two to five million dollars in return, you know. Uh, and so, why do they think that? And is there an opportunity for you to to actually build within that space? And for most creators, it, it, that's pretty like moot and irrelevant. But for for certain ones, if a lawyer, like a law firm is approaching you and you're like this personal injury lawyer on TikTok, like you should really consider like. Oh wait, no! Should I, should I be going after this instead?
0: Yeah, it, it's. Int- I mean, in the spirit of thinking big, like uh, a cash app. I mean, should Mr. Beast try to compete with YouTube? I, I know it's a, a big question. You know, sometimes I ask. You know, should LeBron build a new NBA? You know, the title approach so they can like get some ownership in it. Uh, John Shahidi, uh, Justin Bieber's friend, um, tried with with Bieber support a few years ago, and it it didn't quite work. M- maybe it would have. You know, wor- had a better chance today or different implementation. Or what are your thoughts on that? Oh. What
1: I've learned, and and this is just from watching like Twitch a lot, right? And and I spend way too much time watching Twitch, probably more than the average VC. Uh, but like if, when you look at it, you know, a couple of years ago, you had the big streamers leave, like the ninjas, and you know, I don't know. There, there's so many streamers that have left to YouTube and uh, Facebook at this point. but well, Facebook's winded down their whole side, but there was still periods in time where you had huge, like the biggest creators on Twitch, uh, leave and go to some other platform. And the reality is, like, yes, they took some percentage of their audience and whatever else. But, like, what Twitch, and this might be specific to Twitch, is, like, Twitch organizes their product uh, almost like it's a leaderboard. And so when you go to browse, the browse tab, it will show, like, the top streamers at any given point. And if that's your behavior as a user is, to like, go to the browse tab, click on the game of your choice, and then watch the top streamer at that time, what ends up happening is, like, you just king make another person, and so like instead of you know uh, everyone going and leaving to to watch that other creator, it just made some other creator the biggest star at that time. I think there are specific creators that like, um, but there's probably like one every year maybe that that has the power to to really like uh, go and demand their audience to go elsewhere. The built-in distribution that you have and network effects you have is really hard to topple. Like I, I would. Wish them all the best. I've always said, like, if you were Ninja and instead of signing with Mixer, the more ambitious thing would have been to just, like, launch Ninja.TV. And, like, you go that route. And even if you make, you know, like $2 million a year on there, at least you're keeping the whole cut, you know, rather than somewhere else. And so that's the risk they all run with. But, again, most of them actually care much more about being famous than even the money. And so the only reason they're going to give up the you know fame aspect is if they get a guarantee you know like a facebook gives ninja a massive deal and they're like okay yeah fine i'll I'll do it and so you could probably convince lebron to do something like you're saying if you give him enough money otherwise like there still is ego and and you know fame like he wants to win you know the nba championship for a reason and that matters to him probably more than any money at any given
0: point you can imagine some vehicle is created and funded to go to lebron and 15 of the best basketball players or the best youtubers it just kind of like the bundle of what you're talking about saying hey we're gonna do a new thing it only works if we all do it in in you know you're gonna all gonna get upside in it and you're all gonna get you know a guaranteed massive you know upfront payment investors in that vehicle could still make a lot of money if this thing becomes close to the next you know next youtuber next nba but yeah fascinating
1: i think the 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 thing i struggle with that is there is still so much key man risk within it. And and so, like, you need to... It's like a, I don't know, part one, part two business where it's like part one, you're going to get everyone to come over because you're LeBron, you launched a new basketball league. But then it's like, wait, how do you actually keep people staying to watch, you know, the other people that you got there? And that's where I, I, I sort of struggle with it. But there is, there's like an interesting example on Twitch that's happened recently, where one of the biggest gambling streamers left and started his own gambling streaming site, because gambling got banned on, on Twitch. And so like, that could make sense when things get banned on twitch like that probably creates an opening but there is probably reasons and good reasons of why those things get banned and so uh but you know this creator probably does have people that will follow him to the other place and maybe you create a verticalized you know streaming platform at that point but i i'm a little bit skeptical like that there's there's more than you know a handful that can really do it what the one interesting example uh that like we've seen which is like you know when barstool uh, what, what I've, what I've seen with like Barcelona sports and what they've tried to do around almost creating like a new type of UFC where they like create their own boxing league. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like you can imagine they do like they can create new sports. Like they, they should do like a cornhole league, you know, like there's, there's all, or like a flip cup league, like that stuff can happen. Um, I think that's another variation of like, if you have a really strong niche audience, uh,
0: you can create new sports or new media properties. Like o- o- over time right yeah exactly yeah the media company the basketball media company you know creating leagues that that's fascinating the um yeah you know I I, I wrote a post on whoever uh, generates the demand captures the value or will over time and it you know markets probably will become more efficient and it's interesting to see in spaces where they become more efficient maybe tech is one of them in terms of at least founders cre- creating most of the upside you could argue that actually like you know, you could, you can imagine a few man developer team banding together and saying, "Hey, we're we're going to co found startups for fifty percent and distribute among us three as a, it may be a more efficient way to get upside because the difference between first employee and co founder is just so massive. Anyways, t- tech is more efficient than something like music, perhaps where the re- you know record label own, owns most of it, and then and even sports, right? Like they get paid a lot of money, but they you know the owners get make a, make a lot of money money as well. And who who's creating the yeah, you know, the real value, or who, who's more replaceable? It, yeah, it's interesting to see how industries will kind of, um, kind of reorganize over time. The compensation as it relates to, uh, you know, value capture.
1: Yeah, there, there's just a bit of a disconnect within the creator world from tech right now. In that, uh, in a lot of these cases, like the creators, the in and understandably, like the creators are are skeptical of like people that reach out to them and say like, I want to build something for you, because most of the time it is like this shady person who like uh like is it hasn't built a startup but instead just sees like oh i can i can leverage your audience in this like really just quick way to make a quick buck and where i hope things go is you do have like really talented dev shops you know that that emerge and it's like let me just spin up this incubator of like Hey, I I know what you can do. I know your audience. Let me build, you know, this hyper focused Zillow in your area, and uh, let's think about that as as a business model. But I think there might also be, you know, at some point, just like the business in a box, you know, models that we saw back in the day. Like you might just see a lot of that emerge, where it's like, who cares whether it's the same you know products over and over again, but if if it's reskinned into to their audience, like that that's another way to do it.
0: Like a credit card or a consumer product or something. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. The, um, let's talk about the financing ecosystem for creators and and maybe I'll do the, the analogs to VCs, right? Like Mr. Beast, you know, raising at 1.5 or whatever, maybe that's like Stripe raising at, a at a hundred. Um, then there's what, what Slow Ventures is doing. Um, you know, putting a million dollars into creators for 5% of their earnings over the next 30 years, or, you know, sometimes 2 million, you know, I'm speaking kind of generally, but, um, And maybe that's like series a investing or something and then you know i I wonder if there's some you know something that's even like pre-seed or or yc um for and i know you've you've thought about that that space a lot so why don't you talk about um the the funding ecosystem and and where where you think it's going
1: yeah i mean you you touched on it briefly of just like there is some creators out there right now that have taken funding for their their businesses I think in most of those cases, they are a little bit more established. Uh, the 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 piece that I struggle with and, and I've thought a lot about, like, what does it look like to you know, spin up a YC for creators? And, and the reality is like there is some precedent of what this model looks like in this space with like content houses uh, and specifically, like you see when content houses emerge like a Hype House or a Team 10, you know, they all band together, they all get together and, and it's like they realize that when they're all together, they can all become more famous. And so when you're in a house with Charlie D'Amelio or one of these people, just by association, you're going to become more famous. That makes sense. What ends up like happening, though, is you do the people that win uh, and like really win. They get lawyers and they figure out ways to get out of those deals and like and, and it sort of just crumbles and breaks. And so the only way. Or, like, you know, in a Team 10 example, you have creators that, that get famous and probably do get famous purely because of Jake Paul and the people in that house. But, like, they get so famous that people, like, and this is probably the downside of investing in creators, is, like, the creator, like, if you don't have an audit uh, voice yourself as, like, the face of YC, like, if you don't have a Paul Graham uh, for creators, like, you basically need a Casey Neistat or someone to run this who's willing to... I, w- I wouldn't say go to war it's much more of like defend themselves uh when someone comes back and they're like hey i like i, I signed a really bad deal they're trying to take you know 10 percent of my equity or like my my earnings forever and you basically need the proof points of like no i made you famous and there's so many examples that have happened in in the creator space like one of the bigger ones was a streamer named Tifu uh signed a deal with with uh faze clan signed with FaZe Clan when he was, you know, really tiny at the time, you know, like, uh, he, he was undiscovered and be- ended up becoming basically ninja level. And at some point, you know, Tifu leaked his contract. Uh, and, and that basically got him out of his deal, because the hate was so strong of like, oh, wow, like, I can't believe FaZe Clan's holding him to this deal. And it's not like the difference that you see in the music industry is like, they are like the labels you still see it every now and then. Like there are certain people that, that do it. But like the labels they hold a closer like reins of like we need this. We need to do this because the model doesn't work otherwise. I don't know if you have that same argument in, in the creator space where like there's tons of people that can make a great lifestyle business uh without doing that deal. And so you need to make it so tangible and so clear of what the benefits are. Uh and and it probably needs to tie into something like a content house where it's like you all living in that house getting started together does like show okay someone's going to become famous out of this but again if one of those hits you are going to have like all these lawyers come down and be like no 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 sorry they're signing with UTA now like we're clearing up all those deals so
0: i have an idea for that which is for any investment that the fund makes they do a RUV or you know something like that for a lot of their fans hmm It's almost like what we're seeing with Logan Paul, right? There's some NFT scandal where he solicited some money for NFTs and it got rug pulled or nothing ended up getting shipped. And if that was like a faceless record label, maybe he would be blaming the record label and might have sympathy of the fans. But because it's the fans themselves, he's been villainized. And appropriately so, it seems. So you could imagine a world where now instead of just this corporation, it's this corporation and fans who are saying, hey, we made you famous.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I think that is like one real way to solve it the pieces that like which logan i guess didn't fully think through here is that a lot of creators are hyper aware of like i don't want to bring my fans into this because like i don't want them to like basically do that like they don't want to expose them to more risks than they need to and i think that's smart for some creators and and like if you have the poll but like there is all like it's getting in the game though yeah there there is something around it i think about it a lot in like a crypto context of like Can you, you know, financially incentivize someone to become famous in theory? Like, can you king make based off of, like, just having upside in in their career? And, uh, you know, like, if you get rewarded for promoting BTS music, like, the early stands of BTS or Bieber, like, they probably should get something because, like, they were a real army, uh, and they really did go out there in the world. So I I think about that a lot. I don't know what the perfect model is, but someone will solve it. But, again, I think it does need to come from... A big creator themselves and, and it's almost like the father figure of the space or mother figure of the space like a uh, Casey Neistat or you know Liza Koshy or someone like that who has a lot of the trust and respect of the you know the rising creators were like wow I'm gonna get co-signed by Casey um, or Liza and and that will help uh,
0: them actually build out their career if, if you couldn't be at, at benchmark anymore or even couldn't be an early stage venture or just venture might, might you build a, a, a YC for creators or, or, or do something in the creator financing space? Or do you think it's too hard or too early or just not the, not the, not the. Yeah, business? I mean, I think my, my
1: interests, like if, if, if I wasn't doing venture capital, like the area that I spend the most time in is like this niche, uh, I don't know, niche internet stuff and what can happen when you do marry like the creator with distribution or a community with distribution, uh, with a great product. And I think there is real, like probably private equity returns of like, can you just do a roll up of these things and, and like buy, I don't know, uh, an interesting software business, uh, that's like, I don't know, like a SAS tool that, uh, you pair with like the landscaping influencer and it's like, cool. Now you like launched like the biggest vertical SAS landscaping products. Like on day one, I think there's for sure like that, that arbitrage. And so I think a lot about that as like, you know, if there like, you know, if there was a world where I, I needed to do that instead or, and I couldn't do venture capital, I think it would be around just like, um, the arbitrage around distribution
0: and something around that thesis fascinating. There's a question of like, would they benefit for being in a cohort with each other? And what YC gets is they get special economics and scale. Like it's, you know, it's the best model in venture or it's one of them, right? The, like you can't lose. <laughs> and so I'm curious if that exists on the creator side or or it's like the things that make it unique on, on startups are, are or YC are actually just unique to startups.
1: I think there is, there's different dynamics in, in the creator space, which is like in theory you being in a group or a cohort with all these people who are equally ambitious and equally successful, in theory, it should just make you all more successful in rising tides type of scenario. But I do think like talking to a, like a landscaping, you know, influencer, talking to a like Mr. Beast type creator probably isn't going to like, it probably will learn from a Mr. Beast type creator, but Mr. Beast type creator probably won't learn from the landscaping one. And so, how do you make sure there is the win-win overall? Is probably the bigger question that I would set out for. But I do think it's like helping with editing. It's you know understanding the algorithm, quote unquote. Like there, there is basic stuff that for sure all these people can go through. And like, can you create a really small cohort or or class that like you all come together? You know, someone takes you know five percent of your earnings moving forward. You get to the co-sign. Uh, they all collaborate. That type of stuff. I think that that can't happen. But again, I think it's going to be sort of self-selecting. Like you know, like I I don't know if the best creators want to opt into that because they're just like I can just grind for three months and hopefully that will push me through the breakthrough. And the reality is like that might actually be true. Uh, and it, and so it is different than what we see in YC where it's like it's not tricks of the trade, but it is like way more of a grind and you don't get the same, like dopamine hits of like, Oh, I'm actually like making real progress in, in uh, building a startup early on. Like you might have some signs of, Oh, I got my first customer, but like it's way more of a slog than, than in my opinion, like a creator who uh, they can have a viral video and be like, Oh, I'm on to something I need to like actually continue to just keep doing what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, Yeah. That makes a lot of sense in terms of the differences between the two shifting gears a bit. I want to situate us uh in the creator economy a bit in terms of the the past and the future and I'll I'll get at that by asking the question of pretend it's 2028 and we're we're having another podcast and we're kind of like talking about the different waves of the creator economy over the past 15 years or however long I don't even know when the creator economy like officially begins but when you talk about like what are the different waves you, you've, and so part of that is asking about the, the past leading up to now and then now leading up to, say, five years from now, where, where we think it might go.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it, right now it's been there's like the pre-TikTok era, which was, I don't know, let's just call it like the YouTube dominated era. And that all was just around like sort of just find your audience, build your niche, leverage YouTube's algorithms in some ways. And, you know, like my, my view is like YouTube is this weird product that like wasn't really made for the individual uh but ended up really becoming a great product market fit for the individual videos but like it feels like early on the focus was more of like how do we get the espns of the world to like upload their clips and by focusing is a weird example of like they they focused on the ESPNs of the world and how how they can get them to post their clips. They had to figure out the advertising problem, which ended up being like a great fit for individual creators, right? Like uh, it turns out, you know, probably to ESPN when they upload their clips or the you know Vivos of the world, like in their music videos, like yeah, I made you know I don't know, twenty thousand dollars or something. Like they're not actually that happy, but when you flip that to a, like a creator, it's like. Oh wait i just got paid twenty thousand dollars this month for making a video like sweet yes like i I love that uh and and so that's sort of that first era and you had a lot of like i don't know creators that dominated that era um but it was still and 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 it still exists to this day way more of fine-tuning to the algorithm i think than ever before of just like average view duration matters more than anything else click-through rate on your thumbnails matter more than anything else and Mr Beast in a lot of ways is like the algorithm perfected uh like you you look at his thumbnails and his titles and it's like it's it's borderline clickbait but not actually clickbait because it's real uh which is why it makes it even more insane uh and then the videos like are almost edited to, to retain, right? Like it's, it's like this fine tuned product of uh, how do we make sure they stay for the full 10 minutes and even the 10 minute decision that YouTube decided that you get more uh, ads, mid-roll ads, if you do a 10 minute video. So everyone now the meta changes, you know, when that rolls out and every video is at least 10 minutes, you know, from a, from a serious creator. So like that, that, like, those are, that's the era that we we were in. TikTok sort of blows that all up, and and they're like, "Cool, anyone can become famous. You don't need to have the editors anymore. You don't need to think about the algorithm as much." It's I think of TikTok almost as a like a giant talent show, and like uh, your your previous success on a video helps a little bit, but not really. Uh, like you're still you're you're still only as good as your next video, uh, and again, there's still some algorithm tweaking around that and building their audience, but we started to see like. Um, like I, I guess the larger thing that that's within all of that is like, of course, the all roads lead to YouTube for those people um, on TikTok or Instagram. If they blow up, they all end up just posting on uh, YouTube because the monetization is the best. But the piece that I guess I'm, I think where it's all heading is like you right now. Like I actually just don't think advertising is the best business model for for a lot of creators uh, and what happens and you see it on instagram like when they announce like oh we're actually going to move fully into the reels product and we're going to kill like you know the photos aspect like that's that happens because the incentive model of we're an ads driven business. And if we can't do like the ad targeting that we used to, we now need to do it on your overall interests and and go to the interest graph rather than the social graph. That forces them to be like, hey, we're gonna roll out this other change. Obviously it sort of gets just absolutely destroyed by the public. But that is like why that decision gets made is the incentives of the platforms become sort of in direct conflict with the creators themselves and you see it a little bit right now where like YouTube just rolled out a change where if you use any swear words within the first 15 seconds of your video it actually gets demonetized and they can't run ads on it anymore they ran that like historically and so you have entire people's catalogs hundreds of videos that they've made over the past decade that actually now will never make more money because they like swore in a video and so my view is that like, I don't think it's necessarily crypto. Like, I think that's the extreme end of it. But I do think there's going to be more and more of I want to own my audience in some way. And so you have the Substacks of the world emerge, but I think we're going to get even further in like how do I have a direct line of communication with my fans? And and what I think is like, you know, OnlyFans is 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 a crazy business, and that like OnlyFans is in theory OnlyFans in Twitch and Substack, they all are this like fully aligned business model with their, their creators in that, like they only make money when their creators make money. And like it is much more of enabling the fan, uh, interaction and that's what they're monetizing rather than relying on the pure ads based model. And Twitch has a whole bunch of random quirks within that. But I do think we're going to move more and more into like actually, you know, monetize through your fans, build relationships with your fans, uh, Sort of maybe the best way to describe is like right now we're in like the broadcast era of like try and build a massive audience and we're going to move more and more towards like the relationship era and try and build real like real true not just fandoms but like actual relationships with
0: your fans. That's a fascinating overview. Let's say more about what it means for platforms going forward. Like which platforms are going to have more power in the future, which platforms are going to have less power in the future. You know, is it harder, for example, to, is it going to be harder to build a, a, an audience on YouTube than than it has been historically like where, where should creators go? Um, you know, depending on, on, on which ones it's easier to build an audience.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it always comes back to like, if you are a creator and this is the curse is like initially you're going to just go to the platform where you think you can get your first you know ten thousand fans and that you know is probably tiktok today um and so you're going to go there you're going to build your audience and then like you actually if you wanted like you know there's there's moments over the past couple of years where it's like tiktok's getting banned and then like you see them all be like please follow me on these other platforms please go to these other places like uh and that's just going to continue to happen. Like that's like we're just gonna have more and more of like we're we're so close to like those moments of everything getting blown up. You see it even with Twitter, right? Like of oh wait, like Elon Twitter's dead, follow me on Mastodon, like subscribe to my Substack, whatever that is. And you also see Twitter respond and be like, hey, actually if you post those other links, we're gonna ban you. And I think it's just a good subtle and maybe in some cases not so subtle reminder of like you are building on um, like rented land and in, in a lot of these cases and so it's it's more of you we, you need like a true shakeup, like you need those moments of like TikTok getting banned in theory for everyone to realize like wait there actually is real power and like having a direct line of communication and i think like community.com uh, or substack or some of these touch on it a little bit but like how does that evolve and how do you like really get it closer to I just have a direct line of communication with my fans like it sort of blows my mind that like if you went to I don't know a creator with 10 million subscribers and you're like can you tell me about your audience and they're like here's what my YouTube analytics says and it's like says that it's 95% male and you know I they're like maybe 18 to 30 and like that's about it and uh, like that is pretty insane and especially if you're like the, the, I guess maybe even even crazier is if you are a YouTuber and tomorrow you decide I'm gonna be, like stream on Twitch. There's a whole bunch of people that like would never even know that you're live on Twitch. Uh, which is just crazy and they might be on live on Twitch every single day for 10 hours And I, I laugh at this because a lot of Twitch streamers will post their videos on their on like their highlights on their YouTube channel And it's like there's people that probably think of ninja as a youtuber rather than a streamer because they're only seeing his like his his videos And that is again is just crazy like the fact that that's not all connected and it's not easier uh, To be like hey, I'm actually going live uh, pay attention to me here I just think there's something around the notification uh,
0: sort of elements or direct line of fan communication that will evolve over time. Yeah, no, great point. I mean, I remember when Ryan Leslie was doing Superphone. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised iMessage and maybe communities trying to do this. I'm not sure, but I'm surprised. You know, like direct SMS hasn't been, you know, um, the platform where people can 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 reach out to people and have CRMs around that. Because yeah, the current approaches have really walked a
1: like a thin line of hey, like, get direct messages from me uh, and sort of seem like it's you're getting text messages from them. And, like, on some level you are, but, like, it's it's basically just like a Twilio setup, right? Like, it's, it's no different than you and I just typing into, like, a Twilio prompt and being like, hey, send a message with your one-time password. I think that there's a communication piece that needs to be fixed there, which is just, like, no, just like follow me here uh, and get subscribed. Like this is no different than than a follow. Like don't actually think of this as like Eric sending me a text message because that's just not right uh and i you know like as a fan you would understandably get upset and be like wait that actually wasn't eric typing me like you know that was, was a chat GPT, like, yeah, yeah like, like GPT. <laughs> yeah like it's like like you put up like a zapier trigger to be like when he's live sending a test message like hey everyone like i'm live and it's like uh, like this right like you know eric is now live on twitch like that that's fine uh yeah. and so i i think that's where like we, we sort of went on a detour within the space of making it seem like it is really directly, you know, fan relationships and or like direct creator to fan relationship. And I think there is sort of better ways that over time we've
0: now learned uh, to communicate that. That that makes a lot of sense. But but going back to the creator, you know, themselves, when when you talk to a number of creators um, who are, let's say they're multi-talented, they're good at, you know, everything. And they're wondering, Hey, where should I really invest in building my audience? Like first, like, or, or how should I think about sequencing? Like, is it, You know, TikTok, then YouTube, or is it some other combination? Like, or how do I think about Insta? Like, how, how do you advise?
1: I think it really comes down to just like, what do you actually have fun doing, right? Like, if you're a filmmaker, for sure, YouTube, like, you know, but if you are someone who's just great on camera and can talk to a camera for hours, Go on Twitch or TikTok. Like, Twitch and live streaming, which we've touched on briefly, is just a whole other beast of this industry, where it's a very different skill set than making YouTube videos or or making TikToks. And I think that, like, TikTok is the lowest friction or lowest lift, uh, but it also you know, is is like in theory the like the cheapest. Like if you were doing like a currency exchange of like uh one follower on 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 TikTok to a subscriber on on YouTube, like it would not be one for one. It would be like maybe like ten like point one of a follower on 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 TikTok is to one subscriber on YouTube. And so I think that's just another piece that like creators need to remind themselves and not sort of get fooled by that. Like having a hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube is far more valuable than probably
0: almost any other platform. Talk, talk about uh, live streaming for a second. Ooh, 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 what what makes it so different or what is the skill set that's needed? And and why is it valuable? Because I, I hadn't even had that in my like calculus of, of platforms to really build on to build a business on.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's like Twitch is the most direct to fan relationship uh, in theory, because you're sitting staring at your screen for eight hours straight you're probably playing a game but a lot of the biggest streamers right now aren't playing games instead they're doing react type content of watching a youtube video that someone sends in from their chat or something like that and that's a different skill because you're you're like basically it's like crowd control right you're like managing you know 20,000 people watching you and how do you keep that entertaining is very different than like even this where we can go back and we can edit it and we can tweak it the way that we want to versus like you're just alive. Like you're just, you're just there. And you're like, how do I keep these people interested for the next eight hours? And some people are amazing at it. And, and some like, so there's, there's probably two different types of streamers. One is like they're really entertaining because they know how to like manage their audience. And then there's the other, which is like, there's really good at the game that they're playing and the really good at the game you're playing. There's like maybe one per game and, and like they're, they're, they have their little niche, but like, where the real value is, is like they're entertainers. And uh, ideally they're a mix of both. And so like Ninja isn't the best Fortnite player in the world. And he would tell you he's not the best Fortnite player in the world, but he's probably top 500, you know, and, and at his prime, he was probably top 100, but he was also really good at entertaining. And so that combo just completely lights everything on fire and like makes it way, way better. Bigger. But it is really hard to manage a chat that's like scrolling by and uh, Reacting to you or saying something to you and it's just a different scale. Like I, I, I Respect those people uh, and it's also like the hardest It's the most work in theory of any of the creator platforms because like those those people in theory could just go and create like a 10-minute video upload that on YouTube probably make that in maybe a day at most, uh, and like get a million views, uh, you know, to use like the Mr. Beast analogy of like, or like what he says of, you know, make one video that gets, you know, 10 million views or a hundred million views instead of, you know, a thousand videos that get however many, like a million views. And so he, he's, he's like the perfect example of like the counterexample of why you wouldn't stream, but for streaming, like the reason why it's so interesting is you get to like people go on your journey, right? Like they're, they're watching you go from 10 subscribers to, you know, millions of subscribers and uh, you get to make people mods in your chat you get to show that you're like you've been there for a year there is status of like oh when I jump into someone's stream if I've been subscribed to them for a while it shows that I've been subscribed to them for a while and they're, they're gonna acknowledge oh thanks for being here for three years and that it's it's sort of a cameo on steroids on some level because when you write in a message, they'll they'll respond to it and acknowledge it. And so there's all these different nuances of Twitch or live streaming than just
0: pure YouTube or or the standard content creation that we think of. Yeah. And and how much of it is expanded beyond gaming? Are we gonna see verticals for, for different platforms? Or you know, will it live on Twitch or Yeah. I mean it's slowly for sure is starting to expand outside of gaming. Like
1: uh, the main actually like like i mean this is probably a flaw within twitch's categorization but the way like twitch categorizes things is based off of really just like games or not games and they threw a bucket together called just chatting which is basically just this like you and i just chatting to a camera and that is by far the fastest growing category of twitch right now and at any given point it's probably number one on twitch and that is because people have figured out how to be more entertaining talking to their camera and It turns out when you're like instead of playing the game and you're actually chatting with your chat like in the people watching uh, That's actually really engaging and build a real relationship with your your fans And so that's the area that's probably growing the fastest and you're starting to see people do cooking streams You're starting to see people do like music streams, you know, all of that. I think will emerge and uh, I think twitch is successfully uh grown out of you know like their actual pure game
0: mode at this point yeah r- r- very interesting to to watch how that, how that plays out you're you're someone who understands the power of distribution very intrinsically and you genuinely love this world we've talked about this at, at lunch and i'm curious to to pick up that conversation is like but you haven't chosen to go all in on on being a creator yourself uh in addition to being a vc and there's a number of people, you know, who also are are thinking, like, hey, should I really, like, do this? I, I, I get it. I, I like it. Um, How have you thought about it for yourself? Uh, and it might help other people think about it for themselves.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's my view is, like, when you study this space enough, y- you, you learn, like, what I wouldn't say tricks, but more of, like, the techniques uh, that it takes to, like, go viral, quote, unquote, and play the algorithm game. You know in theory I could tell you how to get a tweet to do pretty well on on Twitter um, assuming you have some base level audience and I've been really hyper aware that like I don't want to do that instead I care much more about like cultivating my like group of people that follow me because that I just like them I focus way more on quality rather than quantity and I think a lot of people in our world, uh, sort of just like jump, especially like in in the business world, sort of be like, oh, I can get to a million followers. I should go and try to get to a million followers. And that's just a different job than what I would want to be doing. You know, like um, it, it, it's a different game. It's it's a different audience. And instead, I care about like no, I'd much rather like a really important person that I respect, uh, you know, follow me for whatever my insights are, rather than like oh like let's get another ten thousand people that. don't really add value and there's some learnings within it which is like uh when i've gone deep on certain pockets like depending on the journey that people have followed me through right like they followed me when i was doing like uh talking a lot about esports or talking a lot about creators or or gaming or crypto whatever it might be uh there is like a little bit of how do you make sure that someone's actually following you for you rather than like, oh, he's an expert in this niche. Uh, and so I'm trying to like navigate that as well. And so in, in a perfect world, I actually like would rather just like make my account private and like just focus in on what I have. Uh, but I, I know there's tons of <laughs> you know, cons to doing that. But I, I do like, I, I know myself and I know that like, I would not be a great, you know, uh, like, public figure uh, per se. Uh, like, yeah, I don't want to have a million followers or, or anything like that. Like, that's not my decision there. Like, like that's not, and, and I do think it is a decision that you make as a creator um, where you like have to lean in uh, to what works. And I
0: don't really want to play that game. Yeah. Everyone has to figure out what, uh, what game they want to play and what pros and cons that, that, that come with that. Gearing towards closing here. I want to ask the same question that I asked for uh, creators, but more so from the, the VC perspective, um, the creator economy perspective, in that, let's say we're talking 2028 and we're reflecting on the last decade of, of investing in the creator economy. Either what were the waves or, or what were the things that that got really big? Because you know, a few years ago there's a lot of hype about it. And I don't I don't think we've seen you know major um, you know, um, successes, maybe, maybe some minor ones. And so maybe reflect on that and then reflect on where where it's going and 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 maybe bring up you know, you, you've had some fascinating conversations on, on Fred Orson's podcast with Jesse Walden and Fred Um, uh, You know, we hinted a little bit of the NFT stuff, maybe bring up like some opportunities you might you might see there, there as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it all comes back to like whatever is going to work in this space is is really like they need to make a creator more famous or more money. And if you are not doing one of those things like, you're going to have a really tough uphill battle. Uh, and so, like, that's the first part it is, like, if if you're working on a company in this space and it's something peripheral uh, that, like, is not going to, like, immediately resonate with the creator, I would just say good luck. It's going to be a struggle. But what I think, like, you know, what I've talked about with Fred and, and, and Jesse on that on podcast is, like, there is going to be something around... Uh, enabling fandom and you know what you touched on a little bit of like uh, just if you get them as stakeholders are bought in is there something around like a full-time fan and you know, like that that that's a concept that I've always just been intrigued with and even thinking about you know like a twitch where someone's sitting there and actually moderating sort of like for public goods like you know like for free uh, and notoriety within their community, like that person deserves to see some upside in theory uh, of the success of the community and creator that they're they're helping. And so, what I think it, like like the next generation of tools might look like is just like how do you actually empower these these fans um, to really be bought in as stakeholders and and like make it so if I find the next Drake or the next Mr. Beast or whoever, you know maybe I don't have to put like real monetary gains up. It's much more of like I'm I'm just like. Vouching for that person uh, and I acknowledge that like when I vouch for that person and maybe this is an nft or something like that uh, That will in theory go up in value if I believe in that person uh, and because it's just a status symbol of I was early uh, and in the same way that you and I might like want to collect an early vinyl of you know a favorite artists that we like or uh, tour merch from like the Beatles or something like that has real value if you still have that and I've thought a lot about what digital merch looks like uh, and, and tried to like really uh, think about how that evolves. And I think we're we're getting closer and closer to it. So I think that's one area. But I do think the other area is how do you actually just like make them more money? Just like, is it the, the like fan monetization side? Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of learnings from and only fans that can be applied to everything else. And I think we're in the first inning of that. The other piece is like, uh, how do you get more famous? I think you know a lot of people look at it as like, how do you just increase reach? But I think there's another angle, which is just like, you can make a lot more people creators. And so that's probably pseudonymous type stuff or V tubing or um, those pieces where like, I would I would probably never go live myself on Twitch but maybe if there's some setup I might go live uh and and uh, when it's lower friction or lower risk in theory um I I think a lot
0: about that as well fascinating in, in the spirit of more money I, I wonder if there'll be like a stock market for for creators where you can go long Mr Beast these these guys are already people are already in the um spirit of checking numbers all day and you know making number go up to the right what, maybe they could be able to raise money from a public that is bet, betting do you see that happening? I think, I think people will try. I think the problem that I just foresee is like,
1: it also puts like a hit out on them, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Uh it's Like, you yeah. know, as, as much as it's an amazing thing, like it also then makes them a target of like, let's try and figure out dirt to get them canceled because there is so much key man risk. Uh, it's not the same as in a startup uh, where like, you know, there's a lot of other things being built there, but like, if you have a bunch of people fully invested in, in uh speculating on Mr. B's success, like it is gonna put a hit on, on him in some ways.
0: Yeah. Maybe there's a way to long only, but um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is a um, this is a great place to wrap. i want to be mindful of your time. Blake, this has been a master class on on all things, the the, the creator economy. Uh, for people who wanna wanna learn more, wh- where can you point them to? Uh, just follow me on Twitter if this is interesting. I'm I'm at
1: Blake Ir. Uh, check out
0: check out Blake's essays, uh, his reading lists, his his YouTube. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff there. Blake, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Riverside is a presenting sponsor of Media Empires. It's an essential part of our tech stack. Riverside makes scaling a media business possible for us and so many podcasters and creators. It's our online recording studio, not just for the show but across the entire podcast network. Riverside lets us record interviews with the best guests from wherever they are in the world. Our team can also cut short-form clips directly from Riverside. Because as any listener of this show knows, you create once and then publish everywhere. Sign up for Riverside.fm today by following the link in the description box and use our code MEDIAEMPIRES to get a 20% discount. Turpentine is a network of podcasts, newsletters, and more covering tech, business, and culture, all from the perspective of industry insiders and experts. We're the network behind the show you're listening to right now at turpentine. We're building the first media outlet for tech people by tech people. We have a slate of hit shows across a range of topics and industries from AI with cognitive revolution, to econ 102 with Noah Smith. Our other shows drive the conversation in tech with the most interesting thinkers, founders, and investors like moment of Zen and my show upstream. We're looking for industry leading hosts and shows along with sponsors If you think that might be you or your company, email me at eric at turpentine.co. That's E-R-I-K at turpentine.co.